Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are the humble adventurers. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> we are the humble adventurers, and today we're doing yet another Culture Quest special episode. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Hello. And I am Inan. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Guys, episode 50. Holy another milestone. It's amazing. Who would have thought that we could make 50 episodes? Feels like just a couple of weeks ago we were recording episode 49, doesn't it? Oh, Jesus. man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Almost. How time flies by. <laughs> anyway, during these um, 50 episodes, we've laughed, we've cried, we fell in love, we fell out of love, and we fell right back in love again. Uh, I went over the list of episodes we've done, and man, another dumb joke. It's, it's like 50 episodes long now. And today's episode is another one of our special episodes. This time we're celebrating, obviously, our 50th episode. Uh, do you guys think that maybe we've done too many special episodes throughout our quest? I mean, we've had a, a 10th episode special. We've had a quick special, a one-year anniversary special, uh... We've recently done a Culture Quest radio special. Do you think we maybe celebrate ourselves too much? <laughs> Which, um, I'll give you a hint. I, I don't think so. I think we could celebrate ourselves a, a little bit more. Um, I was starting to think we were, to be honest. Because like, 10 was good, but in retrospect, it was 10. It wasn't like that. I guess it was impressive, you know. But maybe like, a bit too early for a special episode. Yeah, like <laughs> if we ever get to like... 100 or something and we'll be like remember when we celebrated 10 like it's just it it's a weird early celebration yeah. i've never heard of another podcast celebrate 10 yet but <laughs> no i think i think 50 is definitely justified the first 50 i think once you get to like 350 it's like yeah nah okay it's fine yeah. wait till 500 yeah. but i think the first 50 is a pretty big milestone the first year because we do yearly ones it, that was a celebration but i think in future it'll be less of a celebration more of like a um condolence no. um it, it, less of a celebration but more of like a um a year in review yeah. you know what yeah. i mean like um something to wrap up the year rather than just like we'll just because it usually falls on weird yeah. numbers like if we were strict it would be every 26 which it probably wouldn't be so that they'd take like you know 100 years to get to anything like you know, anything yeah. good, like 2,600 or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah, 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 we agree. <laughs> I think we had a lot of weird episodes because of the lockdown. Yeah. Um, that is actually what, like, bloated our episodes that didn't feature a topic. But I think that's totally justified. Yeah. So, no, I think we're probably, we're doing all right. But I think year two will le have less of those. So, Definitely, we should celebrate what we can. Yeah, we're getting used to doing this podcast. We're, uh, like, we don't have to celebrate every little thing now. But I guess our next milestone is 100? I think uh, so. We yeah. have uh, our two-year episode, like our second anniversary coming yeah. up in like three months. So uh, <laughs> there's still a lot to celebrate before 100. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We put a few things in the Quig um, recently as well. So that will be a pretty hotly contested um, year two MVP, I think. I, I, I know what you mean, but for me, it's between two things at the moment. Like, there's still a way to go, but I think I know what I want to vote for MVP for, for, for a second year. Oh, honestly, I, I kind of get the years mixed up a little bit. Mm. I know Forrest Gump was towards the end, but um, I'd have to look at the list yeah. just to refresh myself. Anyway, we're going to reminisce a bit about uh, the past 
49 episodes. We're going to have some culture quest fun today. Uh, we're going to take some inspiration from Shakespeare and try to invent a few words of our own. And also, we're going to take a broader, kind of a different perspective at Rolling Stone's Top 500 Greatest Albums list, a list that we came across many a times throughout the quest. So, let's talk about our first 49 episodes. Like I mentioned, I went over the list of the episodes we've done. I was reminded of a few subjects we've done that, you know, I haven't thought about in a while. Some that I liked more, like Firewatch and Annie Hall. Uh, some that I, that, that I liked maybe a bit less, like Taylor Swift's Folklore or Enter the Dragon. I was reminded of the Harry Potter episodes we've done, which was a lot of fun. We've just mentioned all of the many special episodes we've done. I think, like, if you look at episodes between episode 30 and now, there's, like, a period of time there that we basically had a special episode every four or five episodes or so. Because so. we do have the um, the side quest, which comes around every yeah, now and then. Yeah, yeah. See if you can work out the um, pattern, listeners, like, when they come around, because there is a pattern, I think. If we if we did feel, follow the pattern with that, then... And there'd be one coming up pretty soon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like in two weeks. <laughs> episode 51 should have been it, I think, right? 17 yeah. times 3? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> I played enough darts to know what a triple 17 is, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to ask you, like, if you go over the list of episodes, is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Is there, like, do you see anything there that stuck with you or stuff that you're still surprised at how much you liked or was disappointed by maybe? Hmm. Um, the things that I was disappointed was pretty much the two albums I brought up. So I brought up Joni Mitchell's Blue, which honestly wasn't a bad album. It really wasn't. I just listened to it like yesterday. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Anyway, so we, we all hated it. And, <laughs> it, it <laughs> and it was ranked so highly by Rolling Stone that I felt like I didn't get my money's worth a little bit on mm. that one. Like it wasn't a massive, like long album. And, you know, like if I compare that to something we did like recently, which was the um, Stevie Wonder, like, Oof. oh my God, massive, massive difference there. Yeah. Like Stevie had something for everyone, whereas Joni was very like, I don't know, I wouldn't recommend that to that many people, to be honest. And then obviously Taylor Swift's Folklore was, I think, uh, if you're comparing Joni Mitchell's and Taylor Swift's, I'd prefer Joni's. Oh, yeah, yeah, by far. Taylor Swift's was, like, not as highly ranked, yet it still disappointed us, you know? So those are the ones that um, disappointed me. But pretty much everything else I pretty much liked. You mentioned Enter the Dragon, but I think I came out on probably the upper end of the scale, if I remember. I quite liked it. I didn't hate it. You didn't like it as much. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I know we didn't all love Gris. Um, the other thing I brought up, I don't have a good <laughs> track record this year, but that's the other one that probably didn't hit um, hit the bullseye for us. But also, you can't forget um, you too. That was that was one of the worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You too. I think that was my fault, right? I, I brought that one up. Yeah. yeah. So, you, but, but it was um, fun. What did I bring up? Because I brought up something that I I can't remember if it was me or you first but someone brought up something we we thought we wouldn't like then someone else copied the trend but I can't remember what the first one and what the second one was and I know you two was one of those but I think we should do it do it more often like I didn't really enjoy you two I didn't really enjoy Taylor Swift but I didn't hate those there yeah. there's value there and it's good to know like I'll never get to know you two or Taylor Swift in any other way, right? Yeah. yeah. That's it's just a great way to really step out of, out of your comfort zone. Yeah. yeah. And maybe one day we'll do something that we don't like and we'll be 
like it'll turn us around it'll uh, we'll we'll find out that we do like it after all mm. and that'll be worth it maybe yeah I don't know. spend the next uh, four months getting a Taylor Swift recommendation from your uh, music <laughs> app <laughs> <laughs> I still have her on my library Peter you said that after we listen to albums you you remove them from your uh, library right well I only remove them if I don't like them but um so kid a stays Stevie Wonder stays yeah. although I don't play uh, after after the episode um, I was talking to you and on about like how we would make it into like a single single album yeah. like, under 50 minutes and we kind of traded songs and we realized interestingly enough that our mix had very little crossover. Yeah. We liked quite different songs on the album, but but I use my sort of single album mix as the thing I play when I put on the Stevie Wonder album. So yeah, I listen to my cut of the album almost every day since we've done that episode. Queen at Wembley Stadium gets played a lot. Hmm. There is a different, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, but um, Queen did another um, live album before this one. So this was a 1986 yeah. cut, which made into a quick, um, but they did a 1981 album called live. Uh, you might have to help me out. Um, and on, it was Queen live at Montreal. Is I think, that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and that one, I, I actually prefer, and I listen to that all the time. There's so. a great performance there of a killer queen that then I think yeah. merges into I'm in love with my car. Yeah. Uh, just beautiful stuff. So, um, no, they definitely stay if they're good enough, but because we're obviously trying to go outside the comfort zone, it's like a success rate of about 50%. So, What about you, Barry? Have you listened to any of those albums after we've done the, the episodes? Mm, yeah, a couple. I, I think I got more, more excited about uh, recognizing them like playing in, in unrelated places. Yeah. Like now that I told people that I started listening to Stevie Wonder and they were all shocked. Yeah. <laughs> then they started pointing out the, the places where uh, Sir Duke is playing. And I actually kept noticing like i was at my mother's the other day and she always has this uh, classical music channel and suddenly there was this um some sort of a light jazz but then suddenly they went into kind of like a, a tribute to um to sir duke and mm. you know it was amazing understanding That's that great. reference yeah and let me take that to the movies that we saw. I enjoy the same effect there as well. I recently sent you, I was out with friends from work. Like everything was new there and I went into the, the restroom and there were pictures of the good, the bad and the ugly. Oh. And, <laughs> and it, was, uh, it was just nice, you know, yeah. just being able to, to recognize all of those. I see a lot of good, the bad, the ugly. Like yeah. it, it's everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, Every time I'm watching those, like I, I get to see those faces, I'm like thrown back into that world, the, the world of the movie. Yeah. And especially uh, Eli Wallach's character. What, what was his name? The Ugly? Tuco. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just really happy to be reminded of his acting and, and that character. Mm. Me too, me too. I think the older you the older you go, so like if you go The Good, Bad, The Ugly, but also um, Rebel, Rebel Without, Without a Cause. A cause and also the um, the producers. The older you go in our catalog, the more it can't you notice it cropping up. Because recently, um, I work sort of near a theatre. That that <laughs> sounds like I work in a yeah. theatre. Yeah, <laughs> behind but, a theatre. Um, <laughs> sounds like I was trying to avoid that. Like, yeah, I sort of work near parking tickets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, I work down the road from this theatre, right? Like they always have like these terrible shows and I'm, I'm sure, I don't know them, but I'm sure they're terrible because it's a theater, right? Nothing ever good happens there. And then um, 
then I saw the producers and I was like, what? That's incredible. Like, it's not that incredible, obviously. It's yeah. pretty well known. But, <laughs> but I'm like, ah, oh, I finally know it. So, you know, what What do you know? This this theatre does put on good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do put on high art. And then um, the good, the bad, the ugly. I, whenever I go to like a bar that's a little bit sort of indie, you know, a little bit trying not to be too mainstream, you go into the bathroom or something, there's always like some good, the bad, the ugly kind of thing. You know, like it, it it's a very sort of, it used to be super popular, but now it's less popular. And it, so it's like, it's sort of coming up through like the the underworld, you know, yeah. like people, mm. it's like a really trendy thing to put up. Yeah. Same with um, Rebel Without a Cause is still, when I go to like common shops, like um, say Kmart or something like that, I don't know if you guys have a similar thing. Target, you know Target? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, those kind of shops. Um, there's always like some old school section where they have like, pillows or something with like old like Beatles stuff yeah and there's always always James Dean on yeah. something always, it's like yeah. a puzzle yeah. or like he's like the poster boy for for old school cool he's like the guy that there's no one older and there's no one cooler yeah and I honestly like I, when I saw him um like before seeing the movie I'm like ah. Oh, some pretty boy and now i'm like yep <laughs> the pretty boy <laughs> uh. <laughs> i recently you guys have mentioned stevie wonder's uh album i've recently been to this shopping center uh and they literally they played the whole album but it felt just a bit slower like 10 percent slower it, it you know like mm. the sound was a bit if only they play, isn't and she lower. lovely? Then that yeah. would be perfect. <laughs> now this is lovely. <laughs> I, I really uh, the, the the one thing that really really stuck out to me, you know, we we've done the Muppet movie, and I love that movie. I love that soundtrack. I still listen to it every once in a while. But the thing with that one is that through it, I got to know something that I really really fell in love with. You remember we we talked about the when we talked about the 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 movie, we mentioned that Ralph the dog was the first Muppet to have a regular spot on TV on the Jimmy Dean show. And, you know, I love Ralph in the movie and the, the song he sings. I hope that something better comes along. And I, you know, I looked up his spot on the Jimmy Dean show on YouTube and I I just love it. Like, the, the Jimmy Dean show is a variety show from 1963, I think. And Ralph was like a regular character on the show. Like, Jimmy Dean and, and Ralph would do sketches that were five to ten minutes long or, or, or so. And at the end of each sketch, they'd usually sing a song together. And I have to say, like, these sketches, they're not wildly funny. You know, they're fairly regular. You kind of see the jokes coming up and you kind of expect them. But there's just something magical about them because like those sketches were shot live so some some improvisation went into those and not a lot but like when something is shot live something unexpected will happen every once in a while and you know when Jim Henson Ralph's puppeteer uh and like the creator of the Muppets he he would sometimes go off script and he would make Jimmy just burst in laughter and then <laughs> he'd kind of have to fill in the time until Jimmy came back to the sketch and those moments are just <laughs> the funniest. Like when Jim as Ralph takes over those, it's sometimes only two seconds long, those periods of time when he has to kind of uh, fill in the blanks. He shines there. It's just amazing to see how good he is, how well composed he is, how, I, I don't know if he's ready for everything, but it's just flowing 
through it all. Mm. Uh, it's just art. And you see just how much personality he manages to put into those puppets. Like, there's a bit in which Jimmy's laughing. He's, like, leaning backwards so you don't see him laughing. <laughs> Ralph is kind of, you know, looking into the camera. And just for, like, 30 milliseconds, just kind of shrugs. It's just a simple <laughs> moment, but it's just so convincing. It doesn't even have any facial expressions, but it's just... You just get the idea of what... Jim Henson was going for. I really recommend those old sketches. There's one that I really, really like where Ralph wants to kind of put in some jazz into the Jimmy Dean variety show. I'll put a link to those in the the show notes. I totally recommend finding them. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think there's a lot of things that through subjects that we've talked about on the podcast that I've discovered. Like I did want to go and watch a few more of the movies from the the Spaghetti Westerns. I wanted to watch um, for a few dollars more and a fistful of dollars, uh, which I I totally plan to do, and maybe I will one day, but I didn't. I plan to listen to a few more uh, Joni Mitchell albums. I'll listen to those a bit, but I... It's not like... Like with The Muppet, I really discovered something that I loved besides the movie that we've watched. I think for me, by far, like in order of magnitude above anything else, was the Kid A um, Radiohead album. That really got me... Onto Radiohead. Yeah, you so took a deep dive into their discography. Hmm. Not not a deep dive. It was just genuine what follows from liking something. You know, like um, sometimes like you're interested in something like, you know, you're interested in Jiro. So you kind of look up all these sushi things and you do a weekend <laughs> of sushi making and you just burn all the bridges in your life that don't have anything to do with sushi. And then like... But then, you know, Monday comes around and you're like, all right, okay, let's live a normal life again. I never even liked sushi before this. <laughs> <laughs> but with the Radiohead, like Radiohead went from not knowing anything about them, like how many members were in the band. Although to be fair, I still don't know how many members were in the band. So bad example. But I didn't really know much about them. Now I'd say coming up to top five artists. So um, oh, wow. That's wild. Yeah, like a pretty major shift, so. That, yeah, that's probably like the biggest one. Like maybe something else I could say would be potentially Jug- Douglas Adams um, mm, because when yeah. when I read Last Chance to See, I then went on to read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and then the second book as well. So those those were fantastic. And the Bill Bryson book on Shakespeare, after Shakespeare I then read um, one called The Body, A Guide for Occupants. I love that name. It's just yeah. a, such a cool <laughs> name. A guide for it's Occupants. It's very good. <laughs> and um, and then, so I read that one, which was a five star for me. And then um, now I'm on to uh, History of Private Life, which is, um, again, very, very fascinating. So, yeah, like some good success with authors uh, from Anon. So uh, <laughs> that's been <laughs> that's been really fantastic. And I think I also because... brought up the Fight Club book. I, I just want to mention quickly. <laughs> Although to be fair, that one we knew was going to be good. yeah, like yeah. that was no surprise. That was a surefire with, thing. <laughs> uh, with, with Bill Bryson, I had already tried to read his um his short history of basically everything. A short history of nearly everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that one was like it's. I don't want to say it's dry because I bet you if I went back to it now, I would change my mind about it. But it seemed like, oh, I know, like, I've read so many books about like all these physics things. I know like Big Bang. I, I, I don't want to go over it again. It felt like what could he possibly add to the subject? And it's a possibility, not much, 
but I, I, I got like half an hour into reading it and I was just like, mm, now nah, I can't be bothered. So, and the thing is often you make those decisions like just very hastily, like, you know, you don't need much. You just need to, them to use one example you've heard before and then yeah. you just, you just go, oh, this is useless. So, and for a non to bring up a book about Shakespeare, which I had like no, <laughs> you know, compunction to read to turn me on to both Shakespeare and the author's books. Like that's a, that's a pretty heavy lift. And um, yeah, that was great. Like Shakespeare's like, I, I don't know if I'm like eager to read like another 10 books on him, but like it definitely went from like a nobody in, in my mind to a uh, critical figure, <laughs> put it that way, wow. just because he made that word. So. <laughs> same, same goes with uh, Philippe Petit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, oh, what a dig. Th that was your pick, right, Peter? That was my pick. Ah. <laughs> and I don't know where we stand on whether that or you two's worse. Like, mm, wow. I, I guess, I, I still think Petit because he let us down, whereas like you two was just like, we let like a convicted murderer try to like raise our <laughs> children and then didn't go well. So like, what did you expect? Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, so man on rope didn't go well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, but I'm, I'm going over the list of the episodes and there are two things that uh, I want to mention. is the, the, the one is uh, Firefly. The, I just have to say every once in a while, like on Reddit or on Facebook, something about Firefly comes up. And every time it does, I just want to go back and watch the whole thing again. It's it's a wonderful TV show. Yeah. Everyone should watch it. It's just 14 episodes, and it's great. Yeah, I'll join in on that. Uh, and the Mom's Classic episodes, which you've mentioned, the, the symphonic extravaganza that we've done, the episode where we listen to five symphonies, which maybe was a bit too much musical uh, classical music at the same time, but it worked out very well, I think. I'm, I, I think we should do another one. It was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. Yeah, I got to say that I really enjoyed biting more than we can chew. Yeah. Because, you know, the, mm. the experience itself was, was interesting. And sometimes you yeah. have to do the, that dive in order to, to make things going. Yeah, I think we were very much overwhelmed by it. <laughs> so I think it worked out very well. I also want to, to mention uh, Cowboy Bebop. Listening to its soundtrack still, it's just amazing. All the time. Yeah. It's it's just mm. great. Yeah. I, I've heard Netflix is working on a live action of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, I mm. don't know what to think I've about, about that. that. I don't know if it's uh if it's something I'm waiting for or not. Yeah, it's uh like I can't, I, I can't imagine it capturing the the original uh, original essence. Yeah. Um Peter, how would you uh kind of describe your relationship with Harry Potter now? Did you kind of cool down after uh <laughs> because you've done like you've um, read the whole books, then we recorded the episode, and then you've done like this movie marathon with your friends. Yeah, I, and then I read them again as well. Really? So, um, That's amazing. Yeah. I'd say I've definitely cooled down because like you kind of can't live your yeah. life consistently no. reading them. <laughs> but but no, in terms of like where I hold it, like in high esteem, no. Like exactly the way I, I felt before, like... I guess this is kind of not a very controversial opinion, but I think it's like the young adult series. Like it, I just don't think there's anything better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it kind of makes you want to just have a kid that's around 10 or 11 and then you can read it to them. 
just adopt a kid when he's 10 and then give him back to adoption when yeah. he's 14 or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're all thinking it. Yeah. We're all thinking yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, we, that, that episode was called The Culture Quest Rides uh, the Hogwarts Express. Maybe one day uh, we'll be able to do The Culture Quest Visits Middle Earth which is where the Lord of the Rings is set. So, uh. mm. Well, maybe we can, um, we, or should make it like, because we have a few episodes that go together, right? Uh, so we have, let me think about this. We have Last Chance to See, and we also have Watchmen. You can think about the titles. What, what's, the better, what's the better topic out of those? Uh, <laughs> I think Last Chance to See is one of my favorite books. So uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm taking yeah, me too. Last Chance to See. Just a wonderful book. It's, it's a subject that I totally connect with, and I just love the mm. writing. And it's like a light book. It's just so fun. I just love it. Um, we also have the CQP, the Culture Quest Podcast pilot episode, and um, Flight of the Concords. Ooh. Man, you're comparing our pilot episode, who's flying this <laughs> thing, with uh, the flight of the Concords. I'm taking flight of the Concords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was just a, for the David Bowie song. <laughs> Bowie's yeah, in that's space. true. That's true. <laughs> what else? What else have we got? Uh, well, well, there's only one I can think of. It's a bit of a stretch, but we have Enter the Dragon, and we have Playdead's Inside. Ah, uh, Barrio. Ah, oh, Inside. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's an easy pick for yeah, me. Yeah, Inside was a I very so. very special experience, and uh, like I said, Enter the Dragon didn't hate it, but it's not the it wasn't my favorite thing. That's all we have. But um, I mean, unless you unless you count Man on Wire versus um, Rebel Without a Rope. <laughs> Rebel Without a Rope. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking it to to a whole different place. <laughs> Uh, we recently, uh, as we mentioned, read Shakespeare, The World as Stage by Bill Bryson, a William Shakespeare biography. And one of the things that really interested us about it was like the amazing collection of words and expressions that Shakespeare came up with uh, that are still widely used today. And Peter, I think it's safe to say that you were kind of inspired by it and you challenged us to come up with words or expressions of our own for this uh, episode. Mm. I had three, but not because I was like on a roll, but more because <laughs> I didn't know if the first one was good. Then I didn't know if the second one was good. And then the third, I was like, well, let's not plague the earth. <laughs> we'll see about that. Uh, it's not easy to come up with words. It's not. Because it's too easy to like, you know, this is what I discovered, right? I was just thinking of like two kind of, two things, blending them together and then thinking of a word. So like, hmm. So there's a word for running. What happens if you were to run really fast? You could go, call it like kinjoing. <laughs> Do you want to go kinjoing on the weekend? What's that? Oh, it's like running, but just super fast. Oh, oh so sprinting. So you can't just go for a fast run or like <laughs> just <a> sprint? sprint? <laughs> it's not no, short no, like no, a no. sprint. You just, you just run <laughs> really not... fast for miles. Yeah. You do that for about half an hour and then you go, nah, leave it to Shakespeare. <laughs> you know? Like, because it's just. We're too used to like having this palette and we're not like and using those words so well yeah. that we don't think about just adding things to the palette. It's a very weird thing to do. So um, before you reveal your words, Peter, and explain what they mean or how it, or they're going to be used and, and like we'll see if it makes sense at all, how confident are you in your words? How, how confident are you that they'll you know become regular words that we use? There's one that I'm... I think has a possi 
Mm, a very small possibility because I think everyone sort of knows what it is, whereas the other two are a little bit more niche. Before, I just want to check, no one thought like a verb for the struggle of creating a new word. No one thought uh. of that, did they? Because <laughs> that, that's definitely cheap. <laughs> no yeah, I don't. Yeah. The acute pain you get when trying to create something. <laughs> Are your words like new words or because mine I I think it's a cheating but mine is a portmanteau like I mixed up a couple of words to create to describe something that I didn't have a word to describe but it's not like a new word you've never you can't come up with yourself if you know what I mean. I think so. Okay. I think they're all kind of like that, yeah. Well, I can't wait. Tell us what they are. I'll start with my first one. This is I think the most likely to be adopted by the general public, because everyone <laughs> kind of knows what it is. But you know when you are describing something to someone and, like, it, it can go on for a while. I'm used to this on the podcast. And some and everyone else is, like, trying to either signal that their internet hasn't cut out or in real life they're sort of, like, nodding along, just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I will call that jepping. So to jep is to contribute sounds of agreement whilst another person is speaking. So they're not sort of, yes, I agree with that. They're more sort of like, oh, yeah, mm, yeah, okay. Like that, the kind of things you would say just to signal that you haven't fallen asleep with your eyes. Kind of uh, trying to to affirm that the conversation is still going without taking the stage, without uh, reverting the attention. Yeah. Jepping. Yeah, yeah. J-E-P is the is the word. So you add two Ps if yeah. you're... Jepping. Um, if you're putting in like a thing. So Annie was jepping as Bill explained the situation is the example sentence I've got. I actually like that. Where, where, why jep? Where'd you come up with jep? Well, um, so the thought process was I w- it needed to be quick because what you're doing is sort of quick. You know, it couldn't be like um, quintessing no. or anything <laughs> like that. Like it, because it, it, it feels like jep is like the right thing. Because you're not contributing much. Yeah. And I went with like soft kind of letters like J and P, you know, like I didn't want to go for anything like too fancy or yeah, anything like that. And also it's just very hard to think of a one syllable thing that hasn't been said. So No, but you're totally um, right. It had to be a one syllable kind of short yeah. and sweet. Yeah, like yeah. jipping felt like you know when you just say something and it doesn't feel like like jipping. Def- I don't know if I know a word called jipping, but it definitely felt like a scam. <laughs> yeah, I think and jipping is to scam j- someone. Yeah, and I, I think, think yeah, because uh, because <laughs> we say jipped in Australia. So I like if, if you bought something like a, an original Picasso of eBay and you got free <laughs> shipping and it was like t- under two thousand dollars, you probably got jipped. So likely, yeah, and like japping is. Definitely, like, not what I'm going for. No. Japping feels like <laughs> definitely more of a normative solution to the problem. And, like, <laughs> you know, jopping. Jop just didn't sound right. So, jep sounded. Maybe, maybe jop is a bit too cute. I like it. It's, it's yeah. not to say jop. But, yeah, but it, jepping, it, yeah. it works. Yeah. So, that's how I got it. I like it a lot. I kind of wish Barrio would jep every once in a while. But uh, <laughs> he's he on mute. To disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> Can't jep when you're on mute. <laughs> jep. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I like it a lot. Also, sounds like yep, <laughs> jep, jep, jep. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. It works. <laughs> uh, what's your second one? What about? Oh, um, you want me to go through all three? You want me to go next? Uh, yeah, you go next. Oh yeah. So here's mine. 
it's not entirely a brand new word, it's portmanteau, which I'm not sure if it's considered cheating or not, but it describes something that happens often to me, and I didn't have a way to describe. Um, having said that, it has two major weaknesses. Uh, first of all, it's very... It's very niche. Like, I don't know how many people will identify with it. That's good, I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. think uh, niche is a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, but it's it's not going to be adapted too well, I think, into like... Regular... Unless it's like getting assaulted by someone missing a button or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, maybe not that niche. <laughs> then that's just... <laughs> okay. And it's something that happens to me when I'm alone, like almost by definition. So the chances to actually okay. use that word are rare because I'm not talking to anyone when it happens to me. Um, mm. My word is curistraction. C-U-R-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N. Curistraction. What? Yeah, it's a portmanteau <laughs> of curiosity and distraction. Mm. For example, okay. often when I'm listening to, to an interesting audiobook or a podcast, I'm curistracted when an interesting detail is being mentioned, like something that really grabs my attention, so my mind lingers on that detail, and I kind of like, you know, turn it in my head, only to remember after a while that I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook that kept playing, mm. and I lost track of where it went. Like, I was curious about a specific detail, and it distracted me from the main subject. Mm. It happened to me recently when I was listening to the Shakespeare biography by Bill Bryson that we've mentioned that kind of inspired this whole segment and he mentioned something about a cookbook from Shakespeare's time that survived and shows what food was like in, in England back then and like you know it was just a tidbit it was just like a detail that he dropped to, to, to kind of add a color to the book I'm guessing but like I started thinking about it and imagining what it might contain, that book, or what I thought food in the 16th century England was like, and, you know, stuff like that. And then I noticed that the book kept going for, like, four minutes, and I totally lost track of it. Uh, I was totally curistracted by it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I'm totally standing behind this term. I really like it. I'll also totally admit that it's useless. Uh, and and now I'm worried that every time I'll get curistracted, I'll be distracted even longer because I'll think about the fact that I'm being curistracted <laughs> or something. I actually like that word a lot. And that happens to me when they say, oh, so anyway, like um, the dirt was gray and then like they go on about the thing. I'm like, what the hell is the dirt gray? Like <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can think about, you know? I, I get that a lot. So um that's actually that's actually not a bad word. I'm trying to think the point of of creating a new word is you it can't really just be something that you could describe easily already. And yeah. I think that actually is that's a good word. Like I could just say just like distracted by the details, but that's it's a bit more specific. That's just a good that. definition of your word. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, I, I, it's, I keep using about, uh, the example of in, in Wikipedia when you start reading one value and then you just go deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. So that's being curious-tracted cur cur as well. Yeah, that's that's a good use of it because, like, you're trying to read about, I don't know, like a band and then you find yourself 20 minutes later reading about something entirely different. You, you've been yeah. curious-tracted. Well, it's similar to the word, like, what's the what's the word where you take, like, a detour, like, from, from a conversation? It's, um... A tangent? Yeah, I get... Mm, that's not the word I was going for, but it's similar. It's similar to that word. Yeah, it's like the, the book I've been listening to or the podcast I've been listening to, like, stayed on track, but my mind just kept going mm. the, the direction it, it went when I was, like, listening to it. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad, actually. I, I quite like it. 
And I don't know, sometimes like, you know, I get curious tracked and then I notice that I've lost track and then I'm thinking, should I rewind? Should I go back or should I just let it go uh, and, and try to kind of find my yeah. way back into the story? And that keeps me distracted for, for even longer. <laughs> you know, it happens also a lot in, in conversations or when you say something and you get curious, cured, curious tracked. Can we find a word for kind of like restoring your tracks all the way to the... To the original uh topic, like I always call it going back through the stack because like every time you you go one one level deep, you're kind of like adding another another entry mm. there uh yeah no, there there's definitely a word for that. I just can't think of it right now. There's definitely a word for like you've had a detour in the conversation and you go, okay, we need to like get back mm. to the original topic there's definitely a word for it, but um struggling because at any time you start talking about creating words you just forget all your words it's yeah just, <laughs> the law of the universe so i thought of a word when when you miss something like a really small detail and it fucks everything up so i i'm calling it schlipping 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 <laughs> i love it yeah it's like the um james james bond what's the james bond um Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean Connery. Um, Sean Connery way of saying slipping. But it's actually it's actually a merge between slipping and shit. So slipping. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Slipping yeah. and shit. When, because it's a small detail, so you're just you're just about to make it, but you're slip. You're slipping. Like man, I thought I had like a watertight plan, but then I found out I slipped. That's that's quite common. Yeah. <laughs> I slipped it. That's quite common in accounting. Very, very common to like print off a report. 99, not even 99 out of 100, like 999 out of 1,000 things are correct. But then it will just be like one one thing is wrong, you know? Yeah. Like something you wouldn't notice by looking. So like a date of birth is a day out or a month out or something like that. Like, And there's no way to look at it and know because you've been looking at that date the whole time. So yeah, yeah it's... <laughs> That that's a, that's really annoying, and then but it's not usually picked up by someone until you go to like lodge it, and then like when you lodge it, the the system just says no, nope, can't lodge it, and then it takes you a year to discover that you know because no one's ever looking at it. So that is exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and and you're like one hundred percent certain that everything is all right. Yeah, yeah. You're not like oh, that, we'll give it away. That that's what causing the slipping. Like you're saying, there's probably a bug in the system. No, you you missed you you slipped. <laughs> oh man, I slipped up. <laughs> slipping up, <laughs> slipping up. Yeah, I feel like I'm starting to slip. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that sounds it's like a, fun a word. like a better group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you said it that time, you're like, oh, I think I've started to slip. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like clear the room. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna come out of this. <laughs> like seal the doors. <laughs> do, do you guys remember that scene in Friends where um I think I think maybe Rachel's on the on the plane about to fly away and then Phoebe calls her and says the phalange is not working on the on yeah. the, on the, <laughs> the phalange is not working. Which yeah. is the word that just most sounds like a made up word. Like no one would ever call something a phalange, you know. <laughs> and um, and then the the hilarious bit is when like another another person on the plane, like someone in like row B fifteen, like overhears and he's like uh, goes to the um the hostess and um, he's like oh. 
I heard there's a problem with the phalange. And she's like, there is no phalange. And the guy's like, guys, there is no phalange. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, this plane, it doesn't even have a phalange. <laughs> everyone overreacts. And then when they get onto a new plane, the all the cabin crew are like, yeah, we put extra phalanges on. So don't worry. <laughs> so... <laughs> that that's exactly what I think schlipping would be in the office situation. Like, I don't know, this guy says he's schlipping, but I don't trust him. <laughs> like, he could just be schlipping all the time. How do we know he's not schlipping now? <laughs> I, I like that word. It's really fun to say. Ten percent. Ten percent reduction in salary for anyone caught schlipping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Peter, give us your second one. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't um, slip up. So this is my favorite one because um, uh, it happens to me a lot. So the word is quinare. So it's spelled Q-U-I-N-A-R-E. And just so you know, quinare. words that start with a Q are like an easy solution to get new words because <laughs> not that many. So quinare is to jump in... Um, quickly and correct yourself before a misinterpretation will be formed. So this often happens when you say something that's like either like a double entendre or like just something like that's like, oh, so anyway, Hitler was a nice guy. And then you go, oh, shit, like everyone's <laughs> going to think I like Hitler. And then you have to like correct yourself and like talk about like Hitler's like this, <laughs> like my friend or something. <laughs> like just a just a guy. <laughs> okay, I really didn't have any 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 uh did plan that out. But anyway, so like it it's to uh, you know like your crucifixion is coming in the minds of everyone in the room and you need to somehow like take your foot out of your mouth before everyone like strings you up, you know? So like the situation I got is okay, so I told Mary I didn't like the dress she was trying on, but I quinared adding that it had a rip in the back seam. So, like, it was obviously a problem oh. with the dress, not with her wearing the dress. So, <laughs> chiquinair is, is sort of like to to fix your mistake before anyone, like, jumps on you about it. <laughs> and it's usually to do with, like, either you've said something, like, by accident, but more likely you've said something that you stand behind, but the way you said it is probably going to be misinterpreted. Yeah, it's the moment where everyone kind of looks at you funny and you have to, yeah. like, readjust quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it. When you're talking about it, like yesterday I had to quinair or like quinaring. I don't know. It's it's a hard word to kind of uh, twist maybe to kind of uh, It adjust. is like, yeah, it is. I just say like quinaired is in like performed a backflip or something like yeah. he quinaired, you know, like yeah. he pirouetted, you know, like it just seems like something you try to like don't say to quinair, you just say quinaire, but if you can, but. I don't know if it will ever be adopted. So, but I don't know if there's a word to like, is there already a word for that? I don't think there is, but. Backtrack? Um, yeah, that's what backtrack? I was thinking. Backtrack. No, but it's not, it's not good enough. It has to have it's like a more specific word. It's actually an all right word. word. Yeah, but it, it has a few kind of definitions. It ha You can use it yeah. to, to backtrack in all kinds of situations. To queen there. Because you can just say like, oh, okay, so X equals five over seven or something like that. And you go, and everyone's looking at you confused. No, no, and then you say, all right, let's backtrack to like, the beginning because no one yeah. obviously gets what I'm saying. Whereas like quinair is when, when you're on like the back foot, you know? So Yeah. You have like a second to redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like a, 
the time aspect of it is um, yeah is like crucial to that. And then there's a double quinair when you're when you're quinairing and <laughs> saying something even dumber. Yeah, <laughs> like Hitler was a nice guy. No, no, I mean relatively. Oh no, no, I mean. <laughs> I mean, for a German. For a German. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, a German in the in the army. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. There's no like at that point. You know, your Quinn Air card's like just gone. <laughs> like, That's not a portmanteau of quick and something. Is it? It's not. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, subconsciously, there's something in there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what's your third word, Peter? Third one is I don't know if you guys will um, will say oh yes that, that obviously that's a word or if you won't understand it but the third word is autine so a u t i n e and it's to perform an action in various ways so as to trigger your muscle memory so that sounds really weird hmm. but like think if you hadn't played golf in like twenty years right I haven't <laughs> <laughs> you obviously know to put the club in front of you and like put the ball down. And you, you you know what way to swing it first, like towards you if you're right-handed towards your right shoulder. Yeah. But you're obviously not going to know like the follow-through and everything perfectly. But say if you were like a pro golfer when you were young, but for some reason you hadn't played for like 20 years, you just need to sort of like find like your old stroke again. You know what I mean? You need to like remember like what it felt like to play. Yeah. And so you'll go from being like a real complete amateur to being like an okay golfer in a few seconds, as soon as you like autine and get your stroke right. So the sentence I've got is, I played golf on the weekend for the first time since I was 15. It took me a minute to autine my swing, but after that, I wasn't all that bad. Hmm. So, so it's kind of like getting the rust off. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like getting the rust off. I like it. I remember when I was, I don't know, maybe in sixth grade or something, I used to practice yeah. like... Um, what do you call it when you type without looking? Touch typing, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. When you put, like, your uh, for, uh, your fingers on the on F and J, they have, like, a bit yeah, of a... Yeah, I think it's just called typing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it is. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I used to, like, type correctly, you know, like, use the correct finger for each button, and there was, a, like, a program that you used to kind of practice and yeah i remember that yeah and i used to type really fast and really kind of efficiently and it felt good but then when i started playing guitar i used to like i didn't go on the computer as often and i kind of lost that mm -hmm. and recently just for fun i started doing that again because i started writing a lot on my computer and uh mm -hmm. i totally felt like there wasn't a teen process there i used to like i i really felt me getting better yeah. you know as i, as I was going mm. It's not just that, but like, say you were a good typer and then you switch to a different keyboard, yeah. that would be like the alt or actually, no, that's not quite autine because that's more like adjusting. Yeah. Um, like here, here's a pretty niche example, but like, say you were like really good at say like Super Smash Bros or something. I wasn't. <laughs> you hadn't played in a few years. You, you went over someone's house and you don't know what the buttons would be you only know like the feeling of it so you just yeah. like kind of are mashing buttons until you remember like what everything <laughs> does that that would be routine like you you don't you don't know it's you're pressing b and up or something like that but you just do it and like that's what it, that's what it would be like it takes you a few seconds like that would be definitely some autining. would you say that there's something a bit frustrating about autine about autining potentially like yeah Let's say you're you're coming back to, to to Smash Brother and like you have the instincts, you have the kind of feel 
for the game, but you you know that years ago you were yeah. great at it. Like you knew every trick, you knew every combination, and now you're like, if I put the time into it, I'll be able to do that again, but do I really want to? Yeah, there's something frustrating, something... Yeah, you were hoping you could just like do a quick routine and it would be done, but like it actually turns out you just need to relearn it. Yeah. 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 Use it. Can you use it in a sentence? Yeah, I thought I just needed to attain. I needed just to learn how to do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe from a previous life, I was very good at making lots of money. (laughs) I I think we actually came up with better words than expected. Yeah. I think some of these could, at least on our podcast, be useful. (laughs) Yeah. I can see myself using schlip or... uh, to jap. I, we jap all the time. Japping is definitely more necessary over like Discord and stuff like that. Because if you've yeah. gone 30 seconds jepless, then it's mm-hmm. um it, yeah. it becomes like scarily like the FBI is like taking over yeah. the server or something. They're mm. like, go on, be thou. <laughs> like, you know, incriminate yourself. <laughs> Though I incriminate mm. myself yeah. enough already on the podcast. So I'm not too scared <laughs> of that. It's honestly just quicker to download it and <laughs> listen to the edited footage if you want to like arrest me. So probably not a good example, but yeah. So as part of the, the 50th episode celebration, we decided to take a closer, kind of more detailed look at the Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list, a list that at times helped us in choosing albums to listen to for the podcast. Uh, We've mentioned the list a few times. We've listened to albums that are ranked at number two, three, and four, which are Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, Joni Mitchell's Blue, and Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, respectively. And the list is kind of a recurring theme on the Culture Quest, so today we're going to go over it, uh, starting with the number one album, Going back through the list for a while, we'll talk about albums we recognize and see what we think about the part of the list we'll go over. Uh, We may be going over 20 albums, 50 albums. We may get to, I don't know, maybe 100. Well, we'll we'll see how fast it moves. Obviously, I'll put a link to the list in the show notes so you, the listeners at home, can have a look as well. And before we start, I'll mention that there's uh, a link at the beginning of the list for a page in which I explain how the list was created. Did you guys uh, take a look at that? Oh, um, no. I, I know that it's been like a few updates to the list. So they started it in 2003, I believe. And that was, I think maybe I did see it. Is it because they were um, they were foreseeing that? A bit like Y2K, but a bit later, they were like, yep, so this is the end of the album. No one's going to make albums anymore. (laughs) And they were like, well, let's just make a definitive for the end of time list. And then obviously we still make albums, even though they're probably less relevant. But um, so I've had to update it quite a few times. And in 2013, they revised that. I think they revised it in 2013 and 2020. Um, yeah, that's right. I think I've got a uh, saying 2012, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, on that page where they explain how the list was kind of curated, they, they say this. They asked more than 300 artists, journalists, and industry figures, everyone from Beyonce to Taylor Swift to members of U2 to submit their top 50 albums. And based on those submissions, they created the list. And... That's a good method, I think. Like a large number of people who know music and each has to submit 50 albums. That's it's a good number. The thing I don't like is that, you know, at the moment, I'd say that my personal taste in music is way different to what the industry has been producing in recent years. So I'm not really into the music, any of those persons that they mentioned. So uh, I don't know. It's like 
maybe to me the wrong people are curating this list, but obviously that's kind of my problem. It's a matter of personal taste. Another interesting thing to bring up is that as of now in the last revision of the list, uh, the, the 2020 version of the list, 31.4% of the albums on the list are from the 70s, hmm. which puts that decade in first place. Uh, the second place is uh, the 90s with 20.6%, which I, I can see that. Like there's a lot of great music in the 70s. There, there's a lot of great music in the 90s. The 80s, to me, were a bit weaker, unless you're a metal mm. fan, and then the 80s were mind-blowing. Certainly for me, they were a bit yeah. weaker. Yeah, I think metal was great in the 80s, but other, other than that, mm, not great. Another thing I myself don't like about the list, which, again, is a matter of personal taste, is like the, the Beatles have nine albums on the list. And I don't dislike the, the Beatles, but nine albums, man... And, and I know that the, the Beatles were unreasonably influential. Like, they were huge. So nine albums might be acceptable after all. But in the 2013 version of the list, they had like 10 albums on mm. the list and four of them in the top 10. One band having four albums in the top 10 just doesn't make sense to me. All right, I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to Quinny here for you. Um, <laughs> I I'm, I um, not grew up. saying I'm not... <laughs> I guess I didn't grow up with the 2012 list, but like, I guess when I first started looking at it, and like, honestly, when we first started the podcast, the 2012 list was the one we probably were looking at. Yeah. That was the list that I grew to love. <laughs> I guess that's going to be debated. But so back in the 2012, it was very much, I guess you could say like traditionalists. Like, so they had obviously heaps of um, Beatles. Beach Boys were like number two. Bunch of Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan was yeah. massive. Rolling Stones was was pretty big. You know, it's like the very classic kind of what you'd expect Rolling Stone magazine listeners would would vote yeah. for. Whereas the twenty um, twenty twenty list is much more. I don't know actually what it is, but it's it's much less like that. It's yeah, it's got like just a much different makeup. It has makeup. more of everything. Yeah, it has more of everything, yeah. I would say. And they, okay, here, here's how here I'll say it. They, they're much less centered on like one artist having heaps of albums. They they want like more diversity, at least in the top 100. You know what I mean? Like that if if one artist has an album in the top 50, they like their second album just goes way lower because they don't like to put too many. They, it's almost like they're trying to maximize the number of artists. You know what I mean? And if I'm honest, like, the 2012 list, I love way more. Really? Like it, it's, um, well, you got to think about, like, it's not like that I like the creation of the list more. Like, I like the philosophy behind the list. No. It's just the albums that I listen to, Rolling Stone magazine, <laughs> li- listen to. You know what I mean? Like, it was more biased. Well, actually, I don't know if you could say any of them. Only of them are more or less biased. But it was more obviously biased. But it was biased in the way that I like yeah. it. Like, because if I made a list, it would have probably five out of t- of the top ten would be Beatles. <laughs> the rest would probably be Bob Dylan and Led Zeppelin. You know what I mean? So it works so, for you. Yeah, like it definitely works. Um, works for me. Like, there's some that snuck in, like Pet Sounds and stuff. But besides that, like, yeah, I I, I largely sort of agree with the 2012 list, and for better or worse. That kind of got me into a lot of like traditional like Beatles, Bob Dylan stuff. Whereas like if I had got the 2012 list when I was younger, 
it's like a different philosophy behind it. Yeah. It's yeah, I don't know. Like, so I, I, I understand, I guess I'm not going to say I like the 2012 better, but I understand it a little bit better. Like if you're coming from a person like me, I understand it, you know, but like for the 2021, it feels like they had a different kind of agenda, which is fine. Yeah. And, and it's interesting they have different lists, but um, yeah. I just don't understand as much. I actually came across the list for the first time in 2012. I was at work, I think. I was in, in the office I used to work in. And I saw this article about the Rolling Stones are revising their top 500 greatest albums of all time list. So I got into it and mm. I started following it. And I hated it. Like, uh, you have to remember, <laughs> I talked about it in the Culture Quest Radio episode. It was around the time mm. where I started like looking outside of metal and started to fall in love with music from you know other periods of time other genres uh, yeah. yeah so i was starting to get to know music a bit better but i was still a bit close-minded and that list was so skewed towards like the beatles and bob dylan stuff like that they just <laughs> annoyed me i i don't hate the beatles but i'm not a big fan either it's going to be painfully evident evident when we talk about the list that i can't disregard my personal taste in music when <laughs> kind of forming an opinion about it. So, uh, yeah. And that's what makes it fun, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. even if it does hurt a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it hurts, you know it's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's start with number one and work our way back through the list, see yeah. what we think about it. Um, Barrio, feel free to Jeff anytime now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. So, um, at number one, the, the album rank number one on the Rolling Stones list is um, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Have you guys ever heard this album? Never. Well, this is actually something I was planning on bringing to the, the quest, but uh, I think I went for Joni Mitchell's Blue instead. So yeah. um, well, I think I listened to a couple songs, but nothing that, like, you know, changed my life. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I know the name Marvin Gaye. Never heard about this album specifically. I'm not even sure. I think this is the what? No, it's not the what's going on. No, that's not the one. I have no idea. <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> no, it's probably not. I don't think, like, we've done number two, three, and four on the list. I don't think we'll be able to avoid number one for that long. Like, no, we're going we to get to know this to. album at some point. One of us will bring this I hope up. it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be. It's number one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, obviously, after number one, there's two, three, and four, which... We've listened to, we've mentioned those. We've listened to the Beach Boys. I think it was our second episode. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, the second episode was Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. So, but it was <laughs> one of our earliest episodes, the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds from yeah. 1966. Fairly recently, we've listened to Joni Mitchell's Blue from 1971. I think it was, I don't know, like maybe 10 episodes ago. And then we listened to Stevie Wonder a couple of months ago, maybe. Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life from 1976. And I think we all kind of liked the three of those. I think yeah. uh, like we, we did like those three. In varying, varying ways. Yeah, varying degrees. And I think we maybe agree that Stevie Wonders is the best out of those three. Yeah, yeah, It's absolutely. the one that got into the quag. I preferred Pet Sounds to Blue, but I think you guys went the other way, right? No, yeah. um, I, I, I keep flip-flopping between those. Okay. I like both of those. But they're very, very different. Like uh, they work in very different situations, mm. so it's kind of hard to compare those. Like personally, I think I'm, I'm a bit more aligned with Blue. But mm. yeah, here, what's at number five? Uh, number five is Beatles. Um, 
It's 1969's album Abbey Road. Yeah. Which is the one that they're walking across the crosswalk for anyone who's been living under a rock. <laughs> and um, I I guess I don't really know my favourite Beatles album, but if I was, um, you know, about to get waterboarded and the FBI is like telling me I have to decide, I'm going to go Abbey Road. Uh, I think I've, at various stages of my life, pretty much every album has been my one, my number one from the Beatles at some point. But at the moment, it's Abbey Road. So uh, it's usually whatever one I'm listening to. But yeah, that one is good. That Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm on the defense here, but I, I could easily put that as, as number one. But yeah, yeah, I like that album a lot. And that's in the 2012 list, interestingly enough, that was 14. And now it's number five. So because a lot of the Beatles obviously went down because they were dominating the top 10. Yeah. But that's the one that went up, which is interesting because Sergeant Pepper was number one. Last time, and I actually agree with that. Like, I, I think Abbey Road has been more influential, actually, mm. than um, Sergeant Pepper in, in at least my lifetime. Because Sergeant Pepper was great for the psychedelic era, but I think um, Abbey Road's been like fantastic. Like, kind of, um, here comes the sun's been popular. Something has been popular. I know that uh, what is it? Come Together was in a Justice League film recently. Uh, there's lots of lots of good stuff, so I, I think that one's probably their best album. Th- that's the only album by the Beatles that I really know. I love this album. I think mm. Every Road is amazing. I my story yeah. with this album is when I was really young, when I was like maybe I don't know, six years old. I complained to my older brother that my that he has like his own CDs and my parents have their own CDs and I don't have a CD. So he just picked up yeah. Abbey Road from, you know, a drawer of CDs we had and gave it to me and said, mm-hmm. this is your album now. Have fun with it. Mm. And I love I love this album. I Whenever I listen to this album, I always skip the first song, Come Together. Don't know why. I just can't listen to that. I think I heard that song just way too many times. But the rest of the album, I think it's just amazing. Uh, I sometimes do. I sometimes, I used to skip it, actually. I used to skip it quite a bit, but not anymore. It kind of stands out. It's kind of different than the rest of the album. Uh, yeah, I guess I can agree. It's not my favorite John Lennon song, mm. but um, I used to like it a lot more than I did. And then I started skipping it recently. And then now I just can't be bothered. <laughs> so I listen to it. At number six, another kind of major album. Uh, obviously, we're mm. doing the top 500 list. Um, Nirvana's Nevermind from 1991. An album that you got to get to know recently, Peter. You really fell in love with it, I think. Oh, this is like a masterpiece album again. Like, this is fantastic. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as, as we went for on the Culture Crest Radio episode, like, this is sort of where I'm going now. Mm. Like, um, I, I never really got into Nirvana, but I recently um, recently have, and Nevermind is, like, the most complete album from that band. They don't have that many albums, but um, yeah. it's it's very complete well done it's well produced the guitar is actually really good like Kurt Cobain's not a bad guitarist at all I don't know if you say the lyrics is fantastic or just the meaning behind the songs are quite are quite magical as well yeah. so and what's interesting is that um, Kurt Cobain was a big Beatles fan so he was um, whilst he was recording some of the albums he was playing songs from like Beatles White Album like Julia and stuff like that so he's a bit of a pop guy actually I didn't realize he was such a big Beatles fan but it makes sense because I can see similarities between the Beatles and, and Nirvana. Really? Yeah, like, I think it's just the way they write their songs. Like, it's um, they're very emotionally driven, so character-driven, but the characters usually themselves. Just the song structure as well. Like, Beatles started out with a very basic 
kind of song structures and they moved a little bit more complex. But even when they did go really complex, they were never like psychedelic in terms of like, they always made sense, you know, it was, there was a clear chorus, clear thing. And um, we've never mind, like if you think about lithium and stuff like that um, or poly or any of those songs, they have like very clear sort of delineated bits, you know what I mean? Like uh, if you know like the main riff of the song, you can pretty much figure out how to play the whole song because yeah. they're yeah, definitely, you know, it, 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 it's <laughs> that's true. They start like the structure is quite basic and then they build the meaning on top of it. Whereas I know a lot of a lot of other artists, yeah, like Bob Dylan, I guess he's done a lot of songs where he doesn't start with a broad thing. He just kind of sings it and then everything else comes later. But I guess the Beatles, they tried to make the music as fundamental as they could, like so you could play it on any instrument. It's hard to, it's hard to describe, but it's the same thing that I found with the Pet Sounds album that I was saying, like, I don't know if it's going to make any sense, but the substrate that they use is not that important. Like, it's not that important if they use the guitar. Yeah, you can the play the same songs on every instrument and it yeah. still works. It keeps its identity. And I think Nirvana works really well. You lose absolutely nothing from their music by listening to the MTV Unplugged. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a great it album. Just, it just sounds good in a different way, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mentioned Nirvana Nevermind is one of the first albums I listened to when I started kind of creating my own taste in music when I was a teenager. Mm. I love this album. Uh, at number seven, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, 1977. An album that I know you love, Peter. I kind of wanted this to be the first episode of The Culture Quest because oh, yeah. I've heard so much about this album. And for a year, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I tried to get into this album at least 10 times. Every couple of months I listen to this album, I'm bored by it. And then I moved to their other album, Tusk, which I think came... Let me see, maybe 10 years before I this I think one? after. Or maybe after? Oh, before? I'm not sure. Let me Google this. No, you're Rumors right. Was Tusk 75. is the one after this one. It came a couple of years after this mm. one. And I love Tusk. I love yeah. that album. I always try to get into rumors and I just can't. Something about this album just doesn't work for me. Oh, that's interesting. My, me and my friend, um, we were listening to it once. Like just playing a board game, put something on and we we're like, we know Fleetwood Mac, but we never really went into the albums. We just played it all the way through and we're like, damn, like, where's the weak song? Like, we couldn't figure out where the filler was because it was, they were all great songs. You know, like, you had, like, The Chain, obviously, don't uh, go your own way. I was about to say, don't go your own way. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, go your own way. Um, I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting some of the songs, but um, they, they were just, they were all really nice songs, you know, and, in terms of like, you know, with pop songs, how some pop songs go well, some don't. You can't really tell the difference between them. They just sort of, some just get in your ear. Well, all of them seem to just fall the right way. You know, like they just all somehow work, you know. Mm. And they don't all have to work because they're not like, the the songwriting isn't like Lennon McCartney. It's not like, you know, God has written them and they were always destined to be good. They just you put them on the right album, put them in the right order, and they seem to just fly, you know? And I think Rumours is, like, one of the most sold albums ever. Like, it's it's a big seller. It's somewhere up there. Yeah, and it, I think it's one of the perfect, um, most perfect road trip albums. It's, it's really good for that. I'll try to get into it again soon, probably. I always do. Then there's one, uh, which I don't know if you guys have listened to, uh, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain from 1984. I know the song Purple Rain, I like it a lot, but 
try to listen to this album. Didn't really get into it. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't know. I think I did try to get in because when Prince died, I, I definitely like was like, oh, well, let's give his, his stuff a go, yeah. you know? And now nah, I never really got into it. I still think I could get into Prince. It's definitely not too late. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Maybe one day. To be continued. Then at number nine, Bob Dylan's Blood on the Tracks. Take it away, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many minutes you got? No. Um, yeah, but um, Blood on the Tracks is like, I think most people f- say this is Bob's best album. Highway 61 revisited gets into a lot of conversations. Not rightfully because it seems to have like some of their be- his best songs, but I don't think the album is that strong. So this one is some of his best songs and the album is strong. So I think people do put this one quite highly and um i disagree i think i think blonde on blonde or freewheeling bob dylan is is definitely better but um but yeah no i don't i don't disagree i i I think it's um i think it's a solid album i guess it just if if blonde on blonde was at number nine i'd probably be saying now like oh should be higher or (laughs) come on it's better than rumors or something like that but because it's blood on the tracks where i feel like i have less of this connection to it like, yeah, I do think it's probably better than Fleetwood Back, but I don't know. It feels fine. Like, I should be more chagrined that it was not Bond on Bond, I guess, rather than that should be higher. So, but no, I think I think Bob Dylan was heavily featured in their first or their 2012 and probably their 2003 list because, well, he wrote the song um, Like a Rolling Stone and the album and the magazine's <laughs> called Rolling Stone Magazine. So, you know, there's probably some insider trading going on there, but I was connected um, to the band Rolling Stones. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't even think about Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I guess no, no list is going to be perfect. No, but if it was my list, I think Bob Dylan would. He'd have like twenty albums in the top fifty. <laughs> so, so yeah. But I think Bob Dylan fans are pretty, um, pretty hard to argue with. <laughs> so yeah. He's won a Nobel Prize now, so there's there's no there's no taking him down a peg, you know. Um, and luckily he got it because um, I was reading Bryson's book um, on the body recently, and um, I found found out that apparently if you get a Nobel Prize, you the the money is only claimable I think within the decade or within ten years of of receiving the award. So um, because there was one guy who was taken by the nazis or something like that and he he took it like he took the award like 50 years later and then he didn't get the prize because you have to take that within like 10 years so and it was in mr nobel's um in his will will, yeah so they they couldn't like just you know give it give it to him but which is a bit of a shame but um so i hope he hope um bob dylan got a bit bit of a payout but um i'm not sure yeah no at least you made the top 10 i think that's good at number 10 a bit of a different kind of style. Uh, Lorraine Hill's The Miseducation of Lorraine Hill uh, from 1998. I don't know this album too well, but like I got a few chances to listen to it, and it's a lot of fun. It has it feels important, kind of like we talked about um, Stevie Wonder's. I don't have too much to say about this one, though. I will say one thing about this, and I haven't listened to it, but that is up from number 314 Oof. on the 2012 list. <laughs> That's a Big. That's a big jump. That's worth looking into, I think. Uh, definitely check, check the bank <laughs> records on that because something fishy going on. Yeah, it's probably the, the 
the people they ask to vote at 2012 and 2020. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be it, actually has to true. Be it. I forgot how they got to this one. Yeah. Well, good for her. Yeah, she's very talented. Uh, she performed here in Israel a few years ago, and I really wanted to go, but I didn't get to. I heard it was great. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah. At number 11, another Beatles album. This one is Revolver from 1966. Uh, at one stage, yes, it was my favorite. And um, I still kind of think it has the best individual tracks of the Beatles. But um, it almost feels a little bit like a compilation album. Like this was in 1966. So, um, it, you know, like they were still definitely in the development stage still. And um, it felt like their most serious album before they went off the deep end and did Sgt. Peppers. Um, so, yeah, the track list is strong. The songs are strong. There was, I think there was 14 songs on it in a single album and they were all like three minutes. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a good one. And it's like it's like a pop compilation album. You know, have you ever seen those like So Fresh compilations yeah. where it's just <laughs> like Katy Perry, Taylor Swift and all that? Yeah, well, it's like that, but just Beatles songs. So it's like the 60s version of what was like <laughs> the So Fresh summer, hits of summer or something like that. Yeah, you the know, So like, Fresh we grew up with had Spice Girls and Backstreet Boys and uh, NSYNC, yeah. not, not Katy Perry in the... Yeah. Besides <laughs> the fact that it was all recorded by the same people in the same studio, there's nothing else really tying the songs together. Like there's no real theme behind it, which is nothing wrong with. Like no, not, not every album has to be a concept album. Um, cause you could almost say the same with Abbey Road a little bit, you know what I mean? But this one is even more so there's nothing, there's nothing there that stops you from stopping the album six songs in and re- continuing later. There's nothing that's like feels well-rounded about putting them all in the same thing. And that's the reason it's not been my favorite recently. But as I said, I think it's got the stronger songs. I think the, str- the songs on it are probably stronger than Sgt. Pepper or, let it be, or maybe even Abbey Road. So yeah, it's a good one, and it was down from number three. I think I think that's good. I'm happy to see Abbey Road above Revolver mm. now. I, th- I don't think Re- Revolver's a, a top ten album of all time, to be honest. I think it may be top fifty, but mm. not top ten. And then at number twelve, Michael Jackson's Thriller. This one I mm. talked about. It's a personal favorite of mine. I love this album. Mm. I still don't think it's Michael Jackson's best album. Uh, personal off taste, I uh, yeah, I love Off the Wall better than this one. Interesting, yeah, because I I I prefer Bad, so it's literally none of our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> is Bad on the list? I think Off the Wall is coming up. Off the Wall is thirty something. It would have to be on the list, but it wouldn't be top um, hundred. Let me control F this. Hmm. Yeah, Michael Jackson's Bad uh, is ranked at one hundred and ninety four. Rough. Well, Thriller, <laughs> Thriller is maybe I think today. The, the best-selling album of all time, so it was influential. Mm. Uh. <laughs> Bad, again, feels like almost like a compilation album of a fantastic song, whereas Thriller feels a little bit more coherent. Mm. But opposite to what I said about the Beatles, I'd put Bad above Thriller, personally. And I might even put Off the Wall above Thriller. I take Off the Wall first, then Thriller, and okay. then Bad. But I like Bad. Then at number 13, Aretha Franklin's 1967, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You. I One day I'll, I, I plan to get into Aretha Franklin. People yes, love her. let's do it. She has a few in the in the top 100, I believe. She has more than one. So. Where gospel music collided with R&B and rock and roll and became soul. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame, honestly, that we haven't got into it. But um, Yeah. You know. 
I guess that's the point of the podcast to not get into Aretha Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> and then at number 14, there's one that you wanted to talk about, The Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street yes. from 1972. Okay, so correct. This is the best album from The Rolling Stones. I listen to this album all the time. And honestly, it hurts me a little bit to say that I like Rolling Stones this much because I've always been a Beatles guy. But this album is awesome. Like, they've just got tunes coming out the wazoo. Like, it's... The wazoo. It feels like... What did I say to you, Anon? I said it feels like these guys, like, just came into the studio and were like, let's just do an album. And then they just didn't have any lyric sheets, but they just cranked out a tune and just sung along. Like, it feels like a sing-along. It's a super coherent album. Like, it, they all feel like not only could uh, should they be on the same album, they're almost just, like, extended versions of each song. Like, you, there's just, like, a medley, you know, like a one-long medley. Mm. And um, this is just a fantastic album. Like, there's not much more I can say, to be honest, about it. But if you think, like, they, they're kind of similar to the Beatles in, in, in the sense that, like, they definitely had, like, some sort of magic that they were kind of working on trying to preserve it. But this is this is um, came out after the Beatles broke up. So potentially maybe they felt like they had a bit more freedom. Their number one band rival has disintegrated. So, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a, one of their songs on it. It feels like they just let it loose, you know? Like it's, um, it, it's a very loose album, like perfect for a campfire. I've never camped. Without listening to this album, it's it's a it's a super good album to put on because like you don't hang on every word on this album. Like in the Beatles album, you might sort of like oh wait for the bit, wait for the bit. But with this album, like it kind of blends together. You know what I mean? Like you don't really um, notice the difference in the songs because they definitely have the guitar, same guitar sound and stuff. And honestly, like some songs, like if you take each song out of the album, you start to think, okay, that's a decent song, but, you know, not going to go crazy about it. But you put them all together and there's something special about it. So honestly, I think, actually, I think probably 14 is about right. I, I could probably think of 10 better albums, but um, I'm super happy it's in the top 20. That's that's. That's good. I never listened to anything by the Rolling Stones. This is the one I recommend. Like, you know you know the song Gimme Shelter? Nope. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> uh, what about, what's the devil song? Um, I know the Keith Richards solos on the Tom Waits albums. He's done a few. But um, other than that, really don't know anything by the Rolling Stones. Well, give this album a go. It's, it's super good. I definitely will. I, I don't know. You, like, whenever you listen to... Anything by Rolling Stones on, like, the radio, on, I don't know, like, on a movie soundtrack or anything, never really clicked for me. But, I don't know, maybe I listened to the wrong things. I'll, I'll give just this a go. Just listen to this point. album, honestly. Like, it's just a good time. I'll go quickly over the next few albums. Stop yep. me when you get to one you like. Then, at number 15, there's Public Enemies. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. I'm guessing it's... Uh, hip-hop album i don't know mm. it at all <laughs> then there's the clash london calling at 16 yeah london calling was in the top 10 before but um, oh, really yeah it was number eight but not a bad album I- i've listened to it album. i thought it was okay yeah it's okay um but i think honestly like the hype around it like just the band t-shirts and stuff all yeah. have it so i think it's got, exactly i feel like a lot of people wear the shirt but haven't listened to the album in 10 years but it's an all right album. Then at 17, Kanye West's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy from 2010, 
which I'll just say, obviously, Kanye West isn't kind of my... It's it's not the genre of music that I listen to uh, a lot. Uh, it's not kind. It's not my style. But I heard so many things about Kanye West about how mm. how he's just a brilliant musician. And I gave a few yeah. of his albums ago, a, a and all of them just are just felt so simple and shallow to me. I just don't get it. I just don't get his music at yeah. all. I don't get Kanye West because a lot of people think he's like Jesus when it comes to. Um, songwriting if anyone can actually write to us and just say like oh here's what you don't get like listen to this bit or listen to this song or yeah you know like just compare this song to like this old track before and see how he changed it like if you can do that definitely do because like we'll we'll give stuff we don't like a shot yeah yeah but um it's almost like i feel like i could listen to a few of his albums and and be no better informed about him exactly then at 18 Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited, an album from 1965, which I've never listened to. I'm happy to. they revisited because it shouldn't be that high. It should definitely be. It was number four before and now it's number 18. Oh, wow. I, I think it should be a bit lower, but that one has, has the song Like a Rolling Stone. It, it's a it's an iconic cover, you know, like Highway 61, you know, like it. I understand why it's so high, but um, as yeah. a Bob Dylan fan, I, uh, there's better albums. Mm. At 19, Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly from 2015, which people are saying it's, you know, one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. It has a bit of jazz into it. it it's, it's supposed to be brilliant. And one day I'll bring, a, bring this up for the podcast. It's supposed to be it's really actually, something we've, we, we do have a short list of um, topics for the podcast, and this has been yeah. on it since potentially Episode day one. one. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, one day yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll eventually we'll pimp that butterfly, but you know, nice. at the moment, it's still a worm. <laughs> and number 20, this anonymous band called Radiohead with an album called Kid A. <laughs> Ever heard about it? I was surprised that, well, actually, no, I'm not surprised, but when we did the Kid A, I told you it was the number one on Rolling Stone, but for um, 2000s onwards. Because this was released in 2000. So potentially there should be nothing in the 2000s above it. Except uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. Um, which came so, out in 2015, which came out before the revision or after, yeah. the, after the last revision. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It did. Yeah. So it wasn't available in the 2012 exactly. list. Exactly. And uh, so now it's gone from z- nothing to to being above it. So. Now I want to listen to it more, like the Pimper to Pimper Butterfly, because just to compare it. But honestly, Kid A, I would have thought, don't you think OK Computer's more iconic? I don't know if I'm completely wrong about this, but I think when I listened to the Radiohead album and in the subsequent albums when I was listening uh, or had listened to more of their albums and I told you guys what I thought about them, I'm pretty sure I said I didn't like OK Computer that much, but it's all right. I've come back to my senses, everyone. <laughs> okay, computer's one of the best. And I'm surprised it's not above Kid A. Like, I definitely think it should be. I'd say Okay, Computer is more iconic within mm. the listeners. But I think that people within the industry, people who voted for this list, would kind of see how Kid A was influential, how much of yeah. a jump it was after Okay, Computer. That's true. I guess, like, I would have liked to seen OK Computer or maybe some even another album from them yeah. um, go a bit higher. I don't know. Like, this is the thing about a subjective list. Like, I, I'm kind of happy just to accept it. So At 21, Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. 
Uh, have you guys ever listened to anything but Bruce Springsteen? I've listened to Born to Run, actually, and I just, um, I didn't love it, but I'm still not willing to call it on Bruce Springsteen because I know yeah. a lot of people like him and um, I think he might have done the uh, the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame intro or one of the speeches for Bob Dylan. So um, mm. I'm... Just for being associated with Bob Dylan, I'll give you a go. (laughs) I'll listen to a bit of his stuff. I kind of don't connect with the sound. Yeah. But I really like the feel of the songs. At 22, the Notorious (laughs) B.A.G., Ready to Die, a hip-hop album from 1994. Again, I don't know this one at all. This is like one of the only hip-hop albums I've listened to for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, I had a friend that in um, high school that really loved Notorious. Yeah, I listened to this, and honestly, I I like it. Like it's um it's good. It's just like I like it because when I li- when I'm with this person and he plays all the stuff, I'm like, oh, sick. But like, I don't have any desire to go like, oh, well, let's download <laughs> them all. You know, like I'm just happy when it's on. You know, yeah. and yeah, so yeah. I like it. It's it's a good album. I don't know if I'd put it at twenty two, but then again, yeah. I'm probably not the person to ask because I'm not. Yeah, I'm not really big into hip hop, <laughs> and I don't know. May, maybe um, Pimper Butterfly might change us, but um, it'd be nice to understand hip hop because I'm not sure if I don't understand it or if I don't like it. Yeah, there's got to be a difference between those two. Yeah, definitely. At twenty three, The Velvet Underground with the album The Velvet Underground and Nico from nineteen sixty seven. Probably the most well-known album, album cover. cover of all time. It has the the Andy Warhol banana drawing, mm-hmm. painting, whatever it is. And I sat at a bar once where they play the solo album from beginning to end. And oh, I really? remember, yeah, I remember it was just magical. Wow. Haven't listened to it since then. I always plan to listen to, but it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, this album, um, I've listened to a lot, actually. And I love this album. I think it's great. Like... It's a very simple album, so don't go into it thinking, uh, you know, this is going to be Bohemian Rhapsody on every <laughs> song. But, yeah, no, it's, it's good. I think there's a lot of nice beats to it. But, again, super simple, and the recording quality is trash. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, it was recorded in 67, I believe, or 66, because it came out in 67. came out in 67, so. And um, it sounds, honestly, like early 60s, late 50s. It's just, oh. <laughs> it's straight trash. It's it's terrible. Like it sounds like yeah, I don't know. It, it's not great, but I like it. The only problem with the album is like I feel like it's not complex enough to really go up against a lot of other stuff. Mm. Like you put on like Femme Fatale and it's like, yeah, it's good, but like, you know, it's not not Mozart, you know. <laughs> but you know, I like it. It's a good album. Uh at twenty four, the Beatles Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. An album that I don't really know. So this is was number one on the 2012 list. And I, honestly, I'd still put it high, but I'm happy with it at 24. That sounds good to me. It's a great album and it's very much a concept album. Uh, but is every song on it flawless? No. Like there's, um, I, I'm forgetting the name of the song, but um, there's, there's not every song is great. Honestly, like I, I think it's like one of the best albums, but to say... It's better than every single album except for 25 others. Like, you know, that's high praise. But um, sounds like I don't like it. But no, I th- I'm happy with it at 24, actually. That, that mm. sounds good. And I think, honestly, it goes a little bit higher in most people's minds because of the last song, the Day in, Day in Life by Beatles is like their most popular, like not the most popular, but their most highly praised song. 
And it's on the Cold Request radio playlist. (laughs) Yeah, I think sometimes when people look at albums, they just think about what the most popular song on the album is and then go, oh, yeah, that's a great album. So they think Highway 61 Revisited. Oh, that one has Like a Rolling Stone or London Calling. Oh, that one's the one with London Calling, you know, and they forget to think about the album as a whole, you know. I think this one sometimes goes up a tier higher than what it should um, because of that last song. But that's not to say like the album isn't great. At number 25, Carol King's Tapestry. This is an amazing album. Do you guys know it? I've never heard of it, but I'll put it on my Apple Music. Yeah, she's very talented. There's a few very, very touching songs on this. I think that one of the songs here is the theme song for... Uh, the Gilmore Girls, I think. I don't know that show, but like at some point, this became the album I used to listen to with a friend. Every time we had like this four-hour drive, to, uh, it it was always a long drive, and every time we listened to this album, that friend used to bring up that song is from the Gilmore Girls. So, if you know the Gilmore Girls and you like the the song, give this album a go. Mm. It's a great, great album. Then at twenty-six, Patti Smith's Horses from nineteen seventy-five, an album I didn't really get into. I give it a few goes. Wasn't really my style. At 27, Wu-Tang Clan. Enter the Wu-Tang uh, from 1993. Another album I don't know. Uh, from 2000, The Angelo Voodoo. at number 28. Uh, and then from 1968, at number 29, The Beatles' White Album. Yeah, you guys can just have a coffee or something. Nah, um, White <laughs> Album, super good album. Um, this is their only double album. From the Beatles. I feel like I'm like the Beatles teacher. Yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, double album, which um, when I first listened to it, I was like, man, this could have been the sickest single album. Isn't that just true, though, whenever you listen to a, a double album? You just go, this could have been an awesome single album. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the biggest trope ever in like music reviews. Like, man, this is a sick single album in a double album. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like we did it with um, songs in the key of life, so it, it's tr- it's definitely something we do. But I like the double album, all the weird Paul's granny shit music, all of um, John's songs about women, George's song about um, going to the dentist. They're all they're all weird and wonderful. It's um, <laughs> I, I highly recommend it. This is probably one of my favorite Beatles albums. So yeah, it's a good one. Then at number thirty, Jimi Hendrix, "Are You Experienced." Uh, from 1967, an album which I plan to get into soon. Kind of want to see what it's yeah. about. Um, I, I've listened to um, all of Hendrix's stuff, actually. I, For some reason, this went through his whole discography. I think for some reason, I downloaded like, all of his albums and I went camping and forgot to download my normal music. <laughs> so it was just Hendrix the whole time. <laughs> and um, so Are You Experienced is a good album um, in 67, one he released the same year called Axis, Boulder's Love. It's got a really cool cover. I think that's his best. Mm. And then um, the one a year later, Electric Ladyland, that one has the best songs. <laughs> it's just weird because, like, I keep saying, like, this is the best album, but this one has better songs on it. Sounds stupid, but <laughs> yeah. um, there's a difference, you know? Like it's, like, it's like having a good, complete movie or, like, one with just some really nice shots in it, like a really cinematic movie. Are You Experienced, you know, is probably his most iconic, and that's what they're going for on the list, I'm sure. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then at 31, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue from 1959, which has to be 
the biggest jazz album of all time, and I'm basing this only by the fact that my parents somehow have like three copies of this album. <laughs> I, I'm sure they never listened to it. Uh, <laughs> this has to mean so something. Let me, so let me pitch in, because this is... Probably the only only album here that I have anything to say about. Yeah. And, and it, it basically sums up with, it's great. <laughs> All right. Look at me adding to the conversation, yeah. You know an album's good when like you go to someone's house and it's not even like an album they have like in the CD collection. It's just laying about. Like it's just, everyone's got it. Like Abbey Road, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, like people just use it as coasters and stuff because it's like, the world, if they stopped printing it now, the Abbey Road, it would be fine because, like, everyone just has it lying around, you know. Like, it's just everywhere. Like, oh, I picked up a copy and then, like, oh, already had a copy. Who cares, you know, got a new CD player and then you get it on vinyl. Just They just crop up everywhere. So, yep. yeah, I definitely agree. Um, then at 32, Beyonce's Lemonade, which I didn't listen to, but I heard so many good things about it. Maybe one day we'll do it for the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, Beyonce is like one of those modern artists, a little bit like Taylor Swift, where like she's just got a following outside of her music as well. She's huge. Um, Yeah. But the thing is, I do know of Beyonce because she's sort of like a meme at this point, you know, on all these T-shirts and stuff like that. But I don't honestly know her music very well. So is she the one that does Single Ladies? Yep. Is that her song? Yeah. Okay. Which is a cool song. Kind of a weird flute in the background, which <laughs> makes it kind of interesting. Then at 33... Amy DC's Back in Black. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Winehouse with Back to Black. <laughs> Do you guys know this album at all? I don't, but I always go to this snooker hall and they play Amy Winehouse too much for it to be a coincidence. And I'm pretty sure they would have to play some songs. So I would know some of the songs. I actually don't like this album too much. And I have to say, like, I I know people just love this album, but I don't love it. And Frank, her first album from 2003, I think is a masterpiece. I think it's a great album. So I'm Mm. a bit annoyed by seeing this above the the, the one that I like. But what are you going to do? (laughs) To give you credence a little bit, this one in the 2012 list was 451, which is a big Big lift to go up to 33. So potentially 2012 list might be for you, bud. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number 34, we have Innovisions. Why would I take over emceeing when I have to go for this (laughs) difficult word? Innovisions. Innervisions? It's not that difficult. (laughs) Well, I thought it was called Inversions. (laughs) Yeah, you're wrong. I was about to say Inversions. Innovisions by Stevie Wonder. Uh, dropped 10 places from 24 in the 2012 list, which is okay. Not a big change. If I have the facts correct, you thought this album was potentially even better than Songs in the King of Life. I wouldn't say even better, but I listened to this album before we recorded the, the Stevie Wonder episode. Mm. And I remember it was a bit raw, yep. like in terms of production, yep. but it, it it had kind of the the gravitas that Songs in the Key of Life had. Maybe not as much. It felt deep. It felt big. It felt interesting. I really mm. liked it. I'll I just be honest. I, I I thought it was okay, but didn't really love it. And I, honestly, I don't even feel bad saying it because I loved Songs in the Key of Life. So you like you you like what you like, you know? So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I, maybe they're so different that it'll capture someone, you know? Cast a wide net. I have a tendency to like the 
raw albums by mm. like big artists. Maybe yeah. like the same thing with Amy Winehouse, the the Frank album. It's so much smaller than than Back to Black. Um, I don't know. Mm. Then the Beatles again with Rubber Soul at 35. Yeah, Rubber Soul. Yeah. Okay. I don't mind Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul's a good album. Oh, for a second there, I thought you had nothing to say about this album. No. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great album. And it's down from number five. Number five would have just been such an injustice. This is not a number five album. It's a great album, but like, it's not that good. Honestly, if it was outside, just outside of the top 100, that would even be fine. Because I think it's like a great album, but... The Beatles aren't like walking gods, you know, like they can produce a pretty good album, which isn't amazing. And I think this is it. Like if you're already a Beatles fan and you want something like pretty cool to listen to, this is this is the album for you. <laughs> so at 36, Michael Jackson's 1979 Off The Wall. I played the song Off The Wall when we did the Culture Quest Radio special episode. Uh, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs, one of my... Just one of my favorites as a kid, so it stuck with me. I just love this album. I, In my personal taste, it's better than Thriller. Interestingly enough, Thriller went up from 20 to 12, and then Off the Wall went up from 68 to 36. So um, they're clearly not going for political correctness on yeah. this list. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that it's 36. I think it's it's maybe a bit high. You know, it's definitely a personal favorite of mine, but mm. I didn't think people would like it as much. Yeah. Uh, then at 37, Dr. Dre's The Chronic from 1992. Guessing both of us don't know this album. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, then at 38, Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. Yeah. So Blonde on Blonde, Bob Dylan's um, double album from 65. People say it has a bit of a bronze metallic sound to it. Oh, it's just a fantastic sound and vibe and um, everything to do with it is fantastic. And yes, I'll say it's my favorite Bob Dylan <laughs> album. It's it's fantastic. And it was in the top 10 in the 2012 list, which is why I'm much more partial to the 2012 list. And yeah, I think this is like, because if you think 65 is when Rubber Soul came out, and I feel like this is on another level than Rubber Soul. It, it just feels like a, a level above I think Bob Dylan got off the ground quicker than Beatles. They were around the same time. They, their first albums came out, I think, in the same year. But I think Bob Dylan was a year or two ahead. And when the Beatles broke up, Bob was already moved on to doing different stuff, you know? For a 65 album, it feels like... like This, this is going to be a weird comment, right? But for a 65 album, it feels like a 67 album. <laughs> And this, that sounds like a stupid comment. thing to say, right? <laughs> but music went came a long way from 65 to 70. Like every year it felt like songs were getting more complex, more interesting, sometimes darker, sometimes, you know, more like outside of the mainstream. So 65 I consider to be like, not like obviously not definitively like when this year started, everything got good, but 65 is the year where like, you know, I start to get interested in a lot of music and the Beatles were getting started, Rolling Stones were getting started, you know, Zeppelin wasn't formed and 65 had some great attempts at some great albums, but 67 seems to be when everything boiled over into like absolute madness, you know, Eric Clapton was just shredding and the Yardbirds were playing and it just felt like a really great year for music, 67, same with 71. So this feels like it wouldn't have been a 
particularly bad album in 67, two years later, but he felt like he was 24 months ahead, you know? So mm. Yeah, I don't know this one at all. <laughs> I recommend it. Yeah, but I'm just now getting into Bob coaching Dylan. Coaching you through know. Bob Dylan and you're on Blood on the Tracks at the moment. So um, Exactly. I'm really having fun with it. I told you, <laughs> like, for years I wasn't at all attracted to Bob Dylan's music and... Now, I started listening to Free Willin, mm. and then I listened to Blood on the Track, uh, by your recommendation. And, like, all the things that kind of bugged me about Bob Dylan's music kind of work for me now. So, mm. I'm really, really enjoying it. Uh, maybe Blonde and Blonde will be the next one. Yeah, There's no, maybe it will. no way to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 39, uh, by the Talking Heads. Talking Heads, uh, Remain in Light. Do you know this album? Do you know this band at all? Um, I don't. I do know the ba- of the band, but I don't. Um, I don't really know them, but I know my dad likes them. I think that this is like the first band, the first rock band, you know, nothing that's hip hop or uh, something that's way out of my my library that I, I don't think I've even heard of them. You know, like there were a few hip hop artists here that I've never heard of. But they're, they're, the Talking Heads are a rock band from 1980. I should at least be aware of them <laughs> mm. at 39. And I've never even heard about it. Kind of surprising. <laughs> the next one is first first um, listing for David Bowie. Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I've never been a big David Bowie fan, to be honest. Oh, really? No. I've never really liked his stuff. What about you? I know a couple of his albums. I know this one. And I know Hunky Dory. And okay. I have to say, both of them are really, really good. Oh. The, like, they didn't attract me to listen to more of his albums. Mm. Uh, but, but yeah. So, I'm, I'm not calling myself, like, a huge David Bowie yeah. album. But this is a uh, great I, album. I'm a Luddite when it comes to David Bowie. I'm terrible. Mm. 41 is Let It Bleed by the Rolling Stones, which is a, another great album. Before I discovered Exile on Main Street, this was definitely would have been my favorite Rolling Stones album. Uh-huh. Doesn't hold a candle to um, uh, Exile on Main Street to me, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good album. The next one is what we were talking about before with um, OK Computer. Forty two is still it's still very high. It's very high, um, especially because in this list we're not seeing too many double ups. Although I say that, but yeah. we've had Stevie come up. Michael come up. The Beatles, Beatles a few times, Bob, yeah. You know, so we're, we're seeing a few come up. But yeah, Radiohead, yeah, I think that's that's good. I'm happy with that. Should we quickly read out the rest of the 50? Yeah, no, go for it. 43, we have a tribe um, called Quest's album, The Low End Theory. Have you ever heard of it? I heard the name. Never heard of it. I, I was a kid back then. Maybe if it played on the radio, maybe I could recognize a song or two. Number 44, we have Illmatic by a guy called Nas or... As the kids call him, Nas. Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get roasted on a social media I don't even know of. Um, <laughs> yeah. 45, we have another Prince album. Um, it's called um, Sign Peace the Times. Am I getting that right? Because there's a peace symbol. It's Sign Other Times. Sign Other Times. Oh, okay. Sign of the Times. But the O is like a peace symbol. Yeah. Kind of a funny story with this one. I had a friend who, he's a guy I used to play with in a few bands. He's a drummer. And he auditioned to this music school in London, I think, if I remember correctly. Uh, he played Son of the Times, the, the title track from this album. Like, he wanted to record the whole thing. So he needed someone to do the vocals. And it's kind of, um, it's from 1987. It's kind of not rap, but like, I don't know, talking in a rhythm, mostly. He asked me to do it. So I recorded it. Like, there's 
the point of the story is somewhere there's like an mp3 file of me doing this song recorded in like a high-end studio <laughs> and i'm doing an awful job at it <laughs> <laughs> better than mumble rap yeah but i don't know the rest of the album <laughs> 46 we have um paul simon with Graceland. Um, I'm not familiar with it. I remember my parents used to have this album when I was a kid. I remember trying to listen to it, and it, I was bored by it. But again, I was like maybe six, maybe seven. Like mm. So I wouldn't expect me to, to enjoy each and every album. But it's supposed to be really good. Maybe one day mm. we'll get to it. Number 47 is The Ramones with their self-titled album Ramones. Don't really know the Ramones that well. I just know they're on a lot of band t-shirts. Yeah, same here. I don't really know them. I think they're punk music. I don't really know. Oh, yeah, I think I think so. 48 is Bob Marley and the Wailers with Legend, which I'm not familiar with. Same here. I don't know this album at all. I <laughs> always kind of thought that Bob Marley was a bit overrated. Yeah. I don't know. People love him, and I'm, I'm sure there's a reason to love him like i'm sure if we'd take an album by him and would listen to it like we like would give it the culture quest treatment yeah we'd probably love it but yeah I feel you know the, the the kind of uh mainstream songs by him but i don't i just never really connected with those they're fun if you're like yeah you know on a beach somewhere with a cocktail but, or yeah. in a party in the middle of the afternoon but i never got it and uh, it's not it's not an attack on reggae as a whole there are uh, Great nah, reggae albums. <laughs> no, no, it's that's not. what everyone's gonna hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, I know. Didn't qu- quinea yeah. quick enough. <laughs> the number forty nine outcast um, with their album uh, Aquemini. Mini? Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know it. It was number five hundred before, and now it's forty nine. So I'm, I'm thinking there's some money saved. <laughs> wow, to jump from. 500, you said, to 49. That's a major lip. (laughs) You'd be impressed, though, if you made it into top 500 at 500. You'd feel very chuffed, wouldn't you? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know this album. I know another Outcast album called... Ooh, why is it escaping my memory? Idlewild, which I like a lot. Uh, If you're looking in allmusic.com and you're sorting by user ratings, then Idlewild is their least uh, successful album. Hmm. (laughs) Like, people don't seem to like it as much as I do. I love that album. And, like, from the album that I know, it's very clear that they're very talented. So I'm sure this album is interesting and fun. I don't know it, though. Number 50, Jay-Z's first listing is The Blueprint. Again, I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know if I'd recognize Jay-Z if he was... Walked past me on the street. I think so. it was when I was still a teenager. He had like this uh, collaboration with Linkin Park. And when I was like... Oh, I do know that song. Yeah. yeah. Encore, do you want more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. That used to be like a pump-up song when I used to ride um, BMX bikes. Mm. We were going to like a, a, a park. We used to ride, play that. And then we just lose all yeah. inhibitions and break our bodies. <laughs> So Linkin Park was one of my favorite bands growing up, and they did this album with, uh, or an EP it was, I don't remember, with Jay-Z. So it got me interested in Jay-Z, and I was disappointed. Uh, just not my style. I totally don't mm. get it. And even later in my 20s, I heard his name so often, and people just praised his stuff. So I give it another go. Never got why it's so uh, highly praised. So, uh, mm. yeah. Do you want to register our disdain? I have a few notes, yeah. Um... You know, I, I took the list and 
try to find my favorite artists because、mm. some of them are very highly regarded. I, I was really interested in seeing where my top artists、uh, rank. Yeah. And, you know, I must have mentioned it a few times by now. The list and my personal taste in music are barely overlapping. I like the list as a guide, as, you know, a list of interesting albums to check out, but the list doesn't represent anything that I stand for. I, I was a bit disappointed going over the list looking for my favorite artists. Um, Tom Waits, his only one album on the list, 1985's Rain Dogs, ranked at 357. And Rain Dogs is definitely considered by many to be his best album. But I myself think it's maybe top three out of his albums.、Uh, I'd put Closing Time, I think it's a superior album.、Uh, but they're so different, it's almost impossible to compare. And I guess Rain Dog was more commercially successful and more influential. Iron Maiden. Isn't even on the list. I would say that, like, that's amazing. That's amazing, I think. Metal lovers, I think, would agree that they're among at least the top five, maybe even top three metal bands of all time. Not even on the list. Alice Cooper isn't on the list. Mitloaf isn't on the list. Paul McCartney's Wings, I know it's blasphemy to say, but I prefer Paul McCartney's Wings over anything by the Beatles. They're <laughs> not even on the list. Yeah, I know it's, it's kind of a dumb hill to die on. <laughs> um, Uh, Frank Zappa, not on the list. ACDC, not on the list. Queen, I don't know. There's like a bunch of artists I've never even heard of wait, wait, wait. before you get to Queen. Oh, okay. They're on the list. No, they're on, they're on the list, but like A Night at the Opera, I think it's like 80 something. It should be top 10.、Yeah. It's an amazing album. Yeah. So obviously,、uh, listeners can cross off their square on their. I've been waiting for what this. What do you call it? The, the bingo? Bingo, yeah. The、um, Led Zeppelin bingo. This、the、has、Led、to be、Zeppelin. a bit of a rant. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll make it short. But Led Zeppelin are not in the top 50, which is just amazing. Amazing. Like, I'm trying to think about how Beatles Rubber Soul got above Led Zeppelin. I'm just looking at Bruce Springsteen, like, oh, God. Like, it's just. It's just a mess. Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Led Zeppelin here. It's, it's some of the best rock Zeppelin, albums、yeah. of all so, time. So, anyway, I do disagree. That the fact they're not higher, but、uh, I, think, I think the reason is because like Led Zeppelin's been like very commercialized. Like Led Zeppelin, when they first formed, were like, what, what do you call it? Like the band that c o m e on before the big artist? Like they were like the show openers, you know?、So、they were warm up artists in 68, and then 69, even early 69, they weren't even that big. Then after, like, as soon as they dropped their second album, then everything went, you know, guns blazing. So, like, yeah. They, they did go massive, but they're still like, they started as an indie band, you know? Like, they, they, so I think the reason why they went lower is because、oh, everyone knows Led Zeppelin. If we put them up the top, that's just a waste of space where we could put like another David Bowie album, you know? <laughs> so maybe I'm getting a bit, you know, hot headed about it, but、uh, I just, yeah, they should just definitely be higher. They put Led Zeppelin 4 as their best album, which. Um, if, it was if it was ranked higher, I would be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine. But yeah, I think it's is, top 20. Yeah, but not just that. But I, Led Zeppelin 4 is not their best album. But I think, I think Physical Graffiti is their best, followed by maybe number two, then Houses of the Holy, then four, then, then one, then three, then、um, six, then. Presence. <laughs> mm, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, presence, then in through the outdoor, then code up.、Uh, yeah, you're, and you're the Zeppelin expert here, but I'd put four and three in the top 20, maybe, and then one and two in the top 100.、Uh, other than、uh, one, two, three, and four, their first four albums, I、mm. only know presence, which 
I love. Not the best. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I keep hearing people saying it's not their best uh, work. I love that album. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think it's great. <laughs> hmm. Maybe I'll get into physical graffiti at some point. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you don't like the way Led Zeppelin is treated on this list, to say <laughs> no, the least. 2012, they treated them a little bit better. Really? Yeah. Led Zeppelin's first album got in at, at, um, at number 29, which is weird to like switch the album that's the best of theirs. So Yeah. I love it. I think it's a great album, but yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, so for next episode, I wanted to do something bit different, something modern, and um, keep getting ads to see this movie that's now available out DVD, <laughs> and it's called uh, A Star is Born, and that's with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. And I didn't honestly recognize her, but yeah, Lady Gaga looks so much different in this in this album. Um, sorry, in this um, in this movie, it's um, yeah, totally different. Um, so I guess you guys haven't seen it. I haven't watched uh, no. it. I, I heard about it. I, I remember. When it came out, like there was a lot of buzz around it, mm, yeah. and I heard that this is like the fourth time they make made this movie. Do you know yeah. about it? Yeah, I know. Like yeah. there was a version from 1937, 1956, 74, if I remember correctly, and now 2016. Yep. Uh, and in each version, there's like Barbara Streisand or Judy Garland or like a a major famous uh, name. Mm. Mm. Yeah. When I picked it, I didn't know that. And I was thinking when I picked it, it's not like the point of the podcast is to fill in cultural gaps. And this isn't a major cultural gap. It's it's like every every now and then I want to throw something in that's like super modern, even though it's still a few yeah. years old. But um, just to like make sure we're still, you know, keeping up with what's going on at the moment. Yeah, exactly. It's important. Um, <laughs> I guess that's the point of it, just to give a bit of contrast, you know, go super old, super new. But it's nice that it has this background as well, you know, because now it feels like we can kind of close the loop a little bit until till the next remake. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. It's a very musical movie, by the way. I don't know if you like music because, you know, we haven't talked about music in ages. Well, that's also a little bit why I picked it because I know you guys always talk about La La Land. and Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't want to go for something that's like oldie, old style musical, you know. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go something new and, um, yeah, so this is kind of a little bit of like a gateway drug for me, but yeah. otherwise just a good movie for you guys. Yeah. Actually, when I watched, uh, when I Googled, uh, A Star is Born, it, it suggested La La Land is kind of a related movie. So that made me mm. even more excited to watch this. All right. So for the 50th time, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All The People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a, um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So, yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering. And hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.